Well, hello there, fellow conductors of the metaphysical examination, and welcome to the Crossrip. This is for the week after Ghostbusters Day. Yes, the, I guess we can call it holiday that is celebrating Ghostbusters has passed. We have all of the news and announcements that came out of that Thursday celebration. We also are going to be talking in the second half of the show about Dan Aykroyd's comments about Ghostbusters Answer the Call. It's a pretty packed episode. We even have some of your voicemails coming up. Stay tuned. Toys.net presents the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. Don't look at me. I think these people are completely nuts. Uh, it's Ghostbusters Day. There's a lot of chaos out there. Uh, I, I understand yeah. you just called into uh, Yes Have Some. They're recording uh, tonight as well. Uh, there was the yeah, live stream. I, I spoke to uh, Amy and uh, Carl and <laughs> Jack. That's their names, right? I'm Carl. <laughs> <laughs> that's my new. That's my new on-air personality. I can never remember anybody's names, and it'll Start, it'll cover nicely yeah. for the fact that. I screw up names. Yeah, just call everybody way Max. more than I should. Yeah, just be like, oh, I was on with Max, Max, and uh, other I call, Max. I called yeah. Max, Max, and Maxine, and uh, <laughs> Jake is the Maxine. That's the funny part. Oh, that's fighting words. <laughs> Poor Jake. <laughs> Poor Jake. Um. <laughs> it was awesome because if you didn't tune in, uh, catch it on the, uh, the the flip mode. Flip mode is for real. Uh, when it goes live, um, listen to it because. They got to lightly teasing him, which I happily jumped on board with because it came up about uh, taking laundry. Oh, that's what it was. We ended up on this riff that Ghostbusters 2 was the younger child that hasn't found its way yet. and yeah, But we love it, and we try to give it room to figure out what it's doing with its life. And you know, and otherwise, just let it come home with its laundry and send money when we can. And they start teasing Jake because they're like, yeah. He takes his laundry to another state to get it. Wa- what? <laughs> and I was like, ha ha. Oh, that's funny. And, and, the, and they're like, well, it's where my mom's is. And there's a really good toy store there. And I'm like, ha ha. <laughs> I like that you pick going to, ha ha. And then Abby's like, did you go to another country to go to a toy store? I'm like, this conversation is over. Yep. <laughs> what? Huh? You're breaking up. I can't hear you guys. It's <laughs> breaking up. I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh yeah, that no, was that was good. I, uh, nice blindly too, as it as it turned out. I I just it was one of those rare times where they they often they're East Coast, so they they do what is a natural hour for them, but it makes it that happens so much. Like I remember the um, uh, the Who's It's um, Brendan's uh, and Matt's old. The, the cross uh, the stream that guys? I, that's the that, one. Yeah. I wanna call, yeah. kept wanting to call it the cross trip, but I'm like, no, idiot, that's, that's yours. Yeah. Uh, across the streams, they used to be like, you, you should call in. I'm like, great, when? They're like, well, four, your four time. In the like, no, <laughs> no well, I got a job. I, I thought they do. were recording later too. I don't. For some reason, I didn't catch the Eastern time thing. But well, fun. they they wanted they wanted yeah they wanted the West Coast to come play. So they uh, today they recorded later, seven o'clock there. No. 7 o'clock our time, 10 o'clock their time, oh. and they were going to go for two hours. So well, That's cool. We'll I was have like, to, uh, hey. I'll listen to their, the, the recorded, the live on tape version of the uh, Yes Have Some. Right. Yeah. I can call in for once. 
Yeah, well, that's awesome. Uh, good, good. On- I mean, I love that those guys do the live show because it's it's such a different format and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, Downside is, is uh, all my good stuff for today. I probably I probably did there. Uh, so. All right, well, you're gonna repeat yourself then. That's fine. <laughs> don't don't worry about your own show. It's don't okay. don't I already? I mean, come on. No, 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 no. But no, there no, there's no, a lot. No. I don't think that there's gonna. It's not gonna be possible to repeat yourself because. Uh, I'm There's looking at the rundown. It's uh, four pages long. Um, yeah. That's the uh, the Ghostbusters Day effect. Uh, but so so here's what we're gonna do. We'll do a Ghostbusters Day roundup because there was a lot of news and, and announcements. Uh-huh. Um, and then we will talk about all of the hubbub that Mr. Aykroyd caused prior to Ghostbusters <laughs> Day, which uh, was was sort of like a little uh, tease, a little. Uh, <sighs> Gosh. A little palate cleanser for Ghostbusters Day, it seems. A little uh, bit of a flashback. <laughs> a little bit of a flashback, yeah, and we'll, we'll get into that as well, that it may have picked at some scabs that have not quite healed as well. But uh, So let's let's do this, because um, this is going to be like a four-hour podcast. So here we go. Hey, guys. Peter, I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here. If you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. Okay, uh, wait, I lied, Chris. First, before the Ghostbusters days... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, five hours. It's going to be five hours. Uh, but before we talk Ghostbusters Day, I want to talk about something that was really exciting to me prior to Ghostbusters Day because we actually referenced it in last week's episode. Yes, yeah. don't call it a comeback. Dave Thomas... And Rick Moranis are coming back. The McKenzie brothers will ride again. That's right. And this happened uh, quite literally right after we recorded the episode. Uh, and also, funny enough, I don't know. It's just we must have all been on the same wavelength. My friend and I were saying, "Why don't they do another comedy album?" Like, I I don't understand if, especially if Rick doesn't leave the house, he can still ISDNN and he he records stuff. He records his uh, his country albums and stuff. So. They yeah. should be doing another album, but lo and behold, they're actually doing a big reunion show uh, right. in Toronto, and it is well. It's not just them. That's the the amazing part about it. It's like an SCTV plus Kids in the Hall plus Dan Aykroyd. Like it's it's a reunion of so many people. Oh yeah. Um, what's Dan there for? I guess Broad Second City. Yeah, Broad. I mean, he was one of the Second City guys, obviously. He was one of the Chicago um, Second Cities. Yeah. And I guess, well, I guess they were kind of a mixed bag all over the place. Uh, like, because uh, who was on the lineup? Eugene Levy's coming. Canadian. Eugene Levy, uh, Catherine O'Hara. Canadian. Uh, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Martin Short. Uh, Martin as Short, well as Canadian. Jimmy Glick. Yeah. Help me out here. Um, uh, then three of the kids in the Count hall. Floyd. Yep. Count Floyd. Count Floyd is. Uh, Joe um, Flaherty. Chicago. <clears throat> was Flaherty not one of the Canadian guys? I mean, he was no. in SCTV, obviously. But... He was in SCTV, but that's the thing. It was a mixed bag of the Second City troops. Uh, even though it was kind of born, I guess, out of Toronto and grew from there, he was uh, started in Chicago. and kind of, Like I said, there was kind of... It was well pre-9-11. Comedians yeah. across the yeah. border at will. Smuggle smokes at the same time. Whatever. <laughs> Just drive across the Canadian border without stopping, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Kids in the Hall. Uh, Short's going to do Jiminy Glick interviewing... Well, uh, to be determined guest, it sounds. To be determined guest. Yeah. Yeah, which is... Uh, 
quite amazing. And then Dave Thomas's uh, brother Ian Thomas, uh, who I think is uh, it's his son who was injured because this is a fundraiser. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's uh, his nephew who was injured in a snowmobile accident, and it's it's a it's a fundraiser for him and his family, but as well as the uh, spinal cord damage. Uh, uh, and I don't have it on the rundown. Why did I not put it on the rundown? But the the charity that that has the spinal injury, uh, yeah, uh, research and, <clears throat> and research. development. Uh, that's that's what it's going to, and that's why all of the tickets, like the VIP tickets, are twenty five hundred bucks each. Uh, yeah. So it's it's quite a you, quite a price tag guys, on it. Are you guys familiar with Ian Thomas in the states? I I am not actually. Okay, he's a. I mean, he's not a rocker. He's a kind of a. Oh, radio friendly folk, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Touch a country, like Canadian country as opposed to Yeehaw My Dog Don't Left Me country. <laughs> um okay. whatever that means. Yeah. But Ian Thomas is yeah, like Ian Thomas is uh Canadian music uh royalty. And uh yeah, I guess I guess it's his uh his son probably then. And there was somebody else. There was another and musical Murray guest. McLaughlin. That was That's, Murray McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah another so got Canada's <clears throat> finest crooners is how they're billed. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Actually, we're very good at balladeers like, uh, well, uh, Leonard Cohen and right. um, yeah. uh, what's his name? If I had a rocket launcher, uh, help me out here. I had a rocket launcher? Are you not familiar? No. Oh, Bruce Coburn. Oh, Bruce, okay. If yeah. I had a rocket launcher, <laughs> I'd make somebody pay. That was the best song ever. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude's singing about yeah, rocket launchers. okay. <laughs> defense here yeah but yeah um, i i saw that lineup and i was like and it's a fundraiser and i was like there's no way even people in toronto in in general oh sure can afford to go yeah. see this it's and i oh 2500 bucks a pop that means that means it's their friends is really what it oh, means. Yeah. It means it means yeah. all these comedians like all everybody we've ever heard that is any sort of comedian, writer, film, comedy filmmaker, uh, or musician, because musicians tend to, to love comedians oh, yeah. quite yeah, a bit. Exactly. They're going to fill up that place, yeah, and then I'm, a good helping of rich businessmen and all that. Oh, exactly. I'm picturing in the crowd. It's going to be. It'll be like the Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary. It's going to be like Larry David sitting next to Jerry Seinfeld, sitting next to Tom Hanks. Uh, yeah, you know, it's that kind of thing. But exactly. Um, um, but for a good cause, meant, yeah. If all for a good cause. And you said though that um, Second City was talking about. Uh, looking into taping to it, taping it, yeah. So what happened was, uh, of course, because this blew up, uh, as we know on the internet, everything goes viral or it sort of fizzles out. And this is one of those things that that spread like wildfire through the internet. And so Toronto Second City on their Facebook, somebody had asked them like, "You need to film this. Some I, we will volunteer. Somebody has to come and tape <laughs> this because this is going to be historical." And yeah, uh, and they said, "Don't worry, we're working on it." So. Nothing, nothing concrete, nothing solid, but it does sound like even if it's not something they release immediately, they are going to tape it and preserve it, and maybe it'll you know come out on a DVD. Yeah, later or something. well, Second City, as we've seen from specials and stuff like that, they tape everything. Yeah, the fact yeah. that they can still show us like some of Alan Arkin's early uh, Second City stuff and all that is like, wow, oh, yeah. you guys recorded everything. Um, it does bring up that minor issue of a right. Somebody has to run through everybody and says, "Are yeah. you guys cool if 
whatever. With these characters and that you're portraying. Yeah. <clears throat> the way around it is usually by saying this will also contribute to the charity thing. And everybody goes, no problem. But the then you have the small matter of uh, I don't think it'd be many people. Anybody that says I got twenty five hundred bucks to come see it, they'll still be happy to see it live versus on tape. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there will be a small period of exclusivity where those people can dine out for the next you know six to 12 months on yeah, the, and talk about i it was and, there yeah, yeah and then uh i'd edit it down to one hour sample like sampler best of with yeah. all the the real organic live bits uh you know for the most part taken out or cut down and then they'll put that out and we'll all happily spend 25 bucks on blu-ray and all that will go to yeah the that can research. all go toward the the spinal cord injury ontario yeah they can't um, they can't not because given the reaction on the internet for so what's a second city toronto 200 seats maybe oh, like it's, it's it, not it's yeah, not big it can't theaters, be that big right? of a theater right yeah so you do the math no, really, you do the math. Two hundred uh, times, 200, so two is five thousand times an extra couple of zeros. So was that five hundred thousand? So half a million. Yeah, if they so, fill yeah. that place. Yeah, you're at half a million, uh, even. Yeah, exactly, five hundred thousand. It's huh. at least a million dollars in home video sales, yeah. at least. So that that raises some good money for the charity, uh, obviously for Jake Thomas, but also for the charity as well. Um, so. And the thing is, is that's just being super conservative. The the number of people that want a uh, a Bob and Doug, you know, reunion uh, sort yeah. of thing. Because the last one was their twenty fifth anniversary, which was six Probably, years ago, something yeah, like that. I was going to say almost ten years ago now. At this point, right? But it was on the CBC. The CBC is terrible at putting stuff out on video. Although I think that ultimately did. But anyways. Long story short, and this is the thing that you and I are dancing all around this. It's great that Dan's there. Hey, Dan with Rick. The important point is Rick is coming out of retirement. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, now what, what I hate is all the headlines that took it and ran with it saying Rick Moranis stages a comeback. No. <laughs> when this is over, he's going he'll be back. gone again. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like he's going home because he's got something in the oven. And a book he wants to finish, like it's. I, I mean, it was. I think the Hollywood Reporter had said something like, um, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, it, it may not have even been on the Hollywood Reporter, but they said something to the effect of like um, Rick Moranis, who still insists to us that he is not retired, will be coming to do this show. Um, I mean, I you know, it feels like he's retired. He is, of course. Uh, Oh, here it is. It says, Moranis, who previously has told The Hollywood Reporter he was not retired, he's just super picky about the projects that he does these days, doesn't yeah. hesitate to say that he will once again don a parka and play Bob McKenzie. So, yeah. And this is the th interesting thing, is he was in this sequestered non-retirement when the Bob and Doug McKenzie anniversary thing happened. Uh, he was in that same thing when he came out to do the uh, the totally familiar sounding moose in Brother Bear, eh? <laughs> yeah. With Dave Thomas. That's how you get around the rights. You, you do the characters as uh, moose. And... <laughs> Did a little bit of voice to help Dave Thomas try and get the Bob and Doug cartoon off the ground. Right. And now he's doing this. So interestingly enough... 
neither of them seem adverse to these characters. Like a lot of people try to put distance through like their big popular characters, and yeah. especially ones that got pulled out of thin air for nonsense reasons. And the, that's what these guys did, sort of thing. Like after a while, they yeah. kind of go, "Oh, it's ridiculous. I'm moving on." These guys genuinely seem to love returning yeah. to these characters. I mean, otherwise, Moranis would have said no. You know, it's uh, I think the same reason that he's talking about Spaceballs too is I think he genuinely loved playing that character, and of course, working with Mel Brooks. I think that's uh, yeah uh, the the major sell of that one as well, but. Yeah, so uh, I mean, it's it's going to be exciting. I'm hoping that we do get to see it. Maybe it becomes like a, a comic relief uh, thing that we get to see eventually, like on HBO. But uh, here's here's hoping. Um, all right, we need to get into the Ghostbusters Day stuff because there's so much, and then I know that the Dan talk is going to be huge at the end here too. So uh, let's let's do some Ghostbusters Day recap. Now, the big event of the day was the. Uh, the touted live stream that ghost core was going to do in conjunction with the ghostbusters official Facebook page and Twitter account. Um, and then at the very last minute, it was uh, also in conjunction with super news live, which I had not heard of until today as well. But, um, yeah, so super news live was sort of the host of this live stream and, and actually literally the host, because I think that was one of their on air personalities who was, uh, who was hosting the, the Q and a, um, I thought it was really great to see Dan, uh, Dan, Ivan and Ernie together. I mean, we always talk about Dan and Ivan. And in fact, I just slipped there because it just, it rolls yeah. off the tongue, but, but having Ivan and Ernie together was a, a welcome surprise getting the two of them to interact with each other. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. It's unusual. It's an yeah. unusual, uh, pairing. And even, even Ernie called it out in the Q and a, he was like, boy, I, it's sure nice to hear you talk about me like that. Ivan, I feel like that's so... <laughs> rarely happens you know i he he kind of pointed it out it was it was really nice um and you know the q a was uh somebody out there uh, a friend of the show called it you know a lot of softball questions like what's your favorite piece of equipment what's yes. your favorite thing um but what i particularly enjoyed and i think what everybody else latched on to um a true politician ivan reitman was a bit he he not a bit. He he pivoted. He had this amazing pivot when uh, somebody asked the question, where would you have another Ghostbusters movie take place that's not New York City? And Ivan launched into this. It was perfect. It was like his uh, media trained statement. This is what he wanted to get out on the, the live stream. Um, and that's also what everybody latched onto as well. So let's let's play what Ivan says here about about where another Ghostbusters movie could take place, which actually turned into like the future of the franchise. Essentially, this was this was how he posited things. So so here's Ivan talking about that. I'll tell you what I feel the most fortunate about is when I got to meet you, Ernie, <laughs> and and you filled out this sort of quartet of Ghostbusters and really made it this amazing difference. Oh. And I and I, I loved I loved how the audience you know responded to you. I remember the very first screening that we had. Uh, There's just something about your heart that really grabbed everybody and held them together and uh, and without you in the movie it wouldn't have been uh, oh. it wouldn't have been that you know I had worked with these guys for 10 years already so you were the new one and we were it's just it was a, like a, a wonderful act of God that I got to meet you oh well gee I um, you know I've known Ivan obviously all these years and so it's the first time you've, uh, <laughs> you know. So thank you. I'm so. Uh, it obviously the movie changed my life, and yeah. you know that's 
thanks to you. You know, we're, we're sitting here complimenting each other. But uh, no, it, it was changed really my life too. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It changed our lives. So it's great to uh, to you know to have been a part of it. And so thank you. Okay, we got the next question here from uh, Joe Riccardelli. If you were going to be involved in a brand new Ghostbusters project that had to take place outside of New York, what city or location would you choose? Well, it's it's interesting because we're doing a lot of work about where do we go next with Ghostbusters, and um, I think one one thing that fans have clearly wanted, and so did I, is that that somehow we tie the worlds together. That yeah. that the historical films, the the ones that I had originally directed, you know, uh, back in the eighties, were mixed with um, the film that Paul Feig just did in that world. I think it was a little awkward that he had his own, that it wasn't sort of connected, and we certainly heard a lot from from everybody out there. And um, so I would definitely want to connect to all that. Yeah. I think uh, what we've been doing a lot of, though, is um, uh, thinking about the franchise rights for Ghostbusters. Because, you know, Ghostbusters, uh, that idea doesn't have to just take place in New York. Right, right. It, it could happen all over the world. I think it would be really cool to see, you know, Korean ghosts or Chinese ghosts. Yes, and uh, and all, all those great traditions in the world have all these historical stories, all these sort of uh, tales of things that, um, you know, those people are, are afraid of. And yeah. to have a sort of a local group of Ghostbusters that maybe tie in with head office in New York be fun. That would be really, really yeah. cool. You get to see a different take. Yeah, because people have different ways they interpret ghosts and spirits all over the world. Absolutely, so yeah. That would yeah. be pretty fun to see. So that's that's interesting, right, Chris? I mean, that's that's what he had talked about for Ectoforce, the Korean yeah. ghost, the, uh, the Japanese ghost, all of these things from the lore of other countries. The International um, House of the Paranormal. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and, you know, sort of having the New York home office be the touchstone that sort of keeps everything consistent or, you know, is is divvying up all of these different jobs. Um, So, I mean, I I thought it was really interesting and everybody pointed out as well that, you know, his goal now is to combine the universes. He wants to get the, the answer, the call universe to fit in. And it's not that difficult as we've seen in Ghostbusters 101. Uh Um, He wants to get that sort of, together and unified and then they can venture out into all of these different places and i mean even though nobody there wasn't an there wasn't like a official announcement of here's what the animated film is and when it's coming out or here's what ecto force is going to be and when it comes out at least we are we're now in their headspace we know what they're thinking we know what they're kind of planning behind closed doors and that that was kind of nice that was interesting to to hear what how do you feel about that are you are you excited about this possibility chris i i was for certain yeah and um given the uh warm-up i had on yes have some i think this will come <laughs> right. up again when when we get to talking about dan's comments yeah yeah um but long story short no matter what people think about the the answer to the call there's gold there that nobody's gonna walk away from um, it has to somehow be incorporated back into the ongoing production of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. even if even if you're they're not interested in running another answer the call uh, sequel or something like that, they have to find a way to kind of uh, uh, make it all global and international and marry the 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 the, the new into the old. To, yeah, and to it, move forward. 
it almost it feels like that's that's a good way for them to sort of pick and choose from the answer the call universe as well where they could have you know Holtzman is back at the New York lab doing something and you kind of keep cutting back to that as a B story or you know that you don't have to incorporate every moving piece of answer the call you can you can sort of just sort of cherry pick from those aspects and, and use them. Um, and, and maybe, you know, because again, we'll get to it with the Dan, um, uh, kerfuffle, uh, kerfuffle. Um, but you know, we, we, we have reason to believe that those actors will not be reprising their roles from answer the call, uh, just based upon that. But I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think if they, no, if they shoehorn stuff in some way, somehow through the animated film that sets up that some of the characters now interact with each other and then they move forward that way, you know, uh, I, I think it's, it's a very strong possibility that like Melissa McCarthy or Kate McKinnon, or at least one of the actors from, from the reboot show up in whatever they do, uh, moving forward. But, um, yeah, very, very interesting. I mean, there, there wasn't anything really earth shattering in this Q and a, and you and I talked about this last week that, uh, saving it for next year, most likely. Yeah, I think as next the, year. Yeah, the one year run up to the anniversary. Yeah, that feels that feels like th- this almost felt, and and you could sense that Ivan was getting a little perturbed at the beginning. It was sort of like, hey, here's all of the merchandise that's out right now. We're trying to get the the Playmobil stuff in, and hey, look at these T-shirts that are on '80s tees, and uh, and and they both started making fun of it like they were on QVC, like they felt like they were in the middle of this product sales thing as opposed to a Q and A. But yes, yes, Ghost Core, I have an idea for this Christmas time. <laughs> just let's just leave it on the table there. I'll get back to you later. Yeah, there you go. Um, so so anyway, so the the one announcement, if we want to call it that, was the uh, chapter two of the VR. Uh, that was sort of the reveal. We did get a, a launch trailer for that, and it did show off a little bit of yep. the gameplay from that second chapter, which they're calling Showdown. Um, no concrete. Again, we don't know. It's coming out in the fall. We don't know when in the fall. And uh, price-wise, at least now we have a little bit of lead-up. This isn't like, hey, it's coming out tomorrow. We know that it's coming out in the fall, and yeah. we know what it Halloween. will be, which is kind of nice. That that seems money, right. I'm putting my money in yeah. October. Yeah, absolutely. That that seems perfect, honestly. Um but uh, I think the big tease in there is Stay Puffed, honestly. That's that's the, you know, if you're going to be in VR and you can look up at the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man and get a yeah. sense of scale that way, that's going to be the big uh, set piece of this particular one. Yeah, there was a few people in the, the live stream that were like, that looks awful. Yeah, but I'd like to point out the beginning of the trailer has the... Uh, footage has been formatted for... What did it see? It say two D uh, display or 2D something like display. that. Yeah, exactly. And it's probably still a work in progress. Would be my guess. If it's not coming out till the fall, they're probably still working yes. on it. Yes, work's yeah. still going in, and a big part of you know these virtual reality uh, games and and environments is that it's three D. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you cannot convey that through a two D shading tra- and uh, depth uh, and lighting trailer. and yeah, yeah. Um, so like you say, the one thing that you know that is going to be awesome, but you had to imagine it was seeing stay puff, uh, you know, with depth of field yeah. and looking up at him cause he's huge. And well, and, I mean, it, it reminded me. So when you do the void experience in New York or Utah at this point or Dubai, I think the one in Dubai is still running, but, um, it, nothing is photo real. I mean, it's, it's not, you're still in a very computer generated, uh, not, I mean, it's, it's almost sort of, 
not Nintendo 64, but like a step up from Nintendo 64. You know, it's things are still very caricaturized. Things are still very stylized, uh, but you still believe it. I mean, because you're in the void and you you reach out and you grab the railing and you feel the wind in your face and then you look up and you see the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, it it tricks your brain into it. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm hoping that it's it's similar to this. I mean, when you and I did the first chapter of the VR, it did it tricked my brain. Even though it wasn't photo real, you're reaching out and you're grabbing a, a neutrino wand, and it definitely doesn't look tangible. It doesn't look heavy. It doesn't look like a real thing. Um, but there's that certain suspension of disbelief that I think uh, just kind of kicks in when you're when you're in the goggles and you've got the headphones on. When you're watching a trailer, yeah, it just looks yeah, it looks it reminds me of, it looks CG. It reminds me of there's a, a trick of the brain where um, um oh like the mind, mind games or brain games, the National Geographic thing. Is that what you're thinking of? Maybe I don't know. Uh, the one I'm thinking of is you put your hand on a table and you put it. Uh, how do you do this? You put your hand on a table and then you put a divider on the inside of your arm. And then on the other side of the divider, you put a fake hand and arm. And then, so you can't see your hand. You can right. only see the fake yeah. hand. And somebody starts brushing both the fake hand and the real hand. And then after you do that for a little while and you're looking at it, somebody you know runs up with a hammer and hits the fake one. <laughs> You will you freak flinch. the hell out yeah. because your brain actually like starts to map over to the to the pretend one. Like yeah. So what you're describing with VR, that's kind of what that is. Is when you're in there, even though there's no real weight or heft to anything in there, because you're seeing it through your eyes and it's your brain's processing it as a 3D environment that you're in. A whole bunch of expectations uh, kind of come into play. So. Yeah, and and uh, natural reactions. Like I remember, yeah. when you drop the trap, your your natural reaction is to bend down to the floor and grab it to pick it up. And they're like, "No, we put a button." Like, oh yeah, you got to put you got to push a button. <laughs> um, so anyway, so yeah, so the the VR very cool. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, even though I don't have the uh, VR, I'm gonna have to go bum it off of somebody, or maybe we can. Make make a journey somewhere uh, and and get to play it. Um, you, uh, Mr. Rob uh, Kramer of the Ghostbusters British Columbia has one. Come oh, on up, so there you go. We'll crash at his place. Yes. Yeah. Sold. Hey, Rob, I'm crashing on your couch. I just invited also, myself just then. That's right. He's a, he also has a Star Trek Bridge Crew, so maybe we get one oh, of those games going too. Same so. thing. The Bridge Crew. Uh, it it doesn't look photo real, but I sure would buy it. Like I feel like yeah. I could live in that. So. So anyway, yeah, VR uh, on the way. Uh, let's kind of rapid fire through some stuff. So 80s tees, I kind of alluded to it. They have some real Ghostbusters t-shirts that are up for sale. Uh, and they have a code for it. Oh, there's a code for, for a discount or no? Yes, 10% off or something like that. Ah, okay. So uh, oh, make me look it up. Well, I know because uh, uh, John Yurkaba, he he bought one and he said that they have like one of those coupon code things that it searches for one for you at checkout and it gets you you know, whatever, if, uh, 10, 15% off. Uh, but the, the shirts themselves are like 34 99 each. And it's, it's really cool yeah. to see real ghostbusters getting official love because it's like the title treatment and the characters and Slimer and, uh, <coughs> you know, stuff, stuff that we, uh, probably could have had as kids or wanted as kids and we never could have. Yeah. Um, did you find the code? Probably not, huh? 
You keep, let's keep rapid we'll come fire. Back to, I'll we'll come back to it. it. Okay. Uh, yes, have some. Uh, drink every time that we have said yes, have some in this podcast. Uh, they have pointed everybody <laughs> towards the uh, Ghost Ballers, which is uh, one of the teams in Ice Cube's retired NBA league that he's putting together. Uh, obviously very inspired by Ghostbusters, a little bit of a play on Ghostbusters with a... A strangely reminiscent logo. It kind of looks like one of the ones that's in the making Ghostbusters that I think John DeVicus uh, started putting together when they were conceptualizing stuff when he and Michael Gross were trying to find out what the logo was going to be. Uh, kind, oh. kind of reminds me of one of those. Sorry. Oh. There's a there's a code. It's today only. Uh, well, there we go. There's bom, a bom. lot of that. For Ghostbusters Day only, like Novos was offering a free patch and things, things like that that we're not going to talk about because it was today and today only. Uh, I... You keep talking because I'm going to go buy one of these shirts because it's right. $10 off a $20 shirt. Go go buy one, and I'm going to talk about cleaning up the town because their announcement today was that they... I'm just going to have you do the music in the podcast. It'll be, uh, it'll be pretty good. Pentatonics, the podcast. Uh, so, cleaning up the town, uh, the documentary about the making of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, they've announced that they have about 30 minutes of film that they have to uh, edit and... Uh, so what that means is, let me take two steps back. They've split it into two films, two separate and distinct films. The first one will uh, cover all of the 1984 original film. The second part will cover 1989's Ghostbusters 2. So the first part is what they're talking about. They have 30 minutes left to go where they need to get the the motion graphics in. They need to polish it out. They need to get some of the archival in there. Um, and once they do that, they need to score it, and then it's finished. So... What that means is they have not announced a release date, but it's it's getting close. Uh, 30 minutes out of a two-hour-plus cut means that they are sort of just crossing the finish line uh, or heading toward the finish line, I guess I should say. So uh, knowing that it's over two hours long, I think it's really great that they split it into two movies so that it's not a seven-hour epic. Uh, <laughs> it would be a lot easier for them to finish. Uh, and so, yeah, so keep, keep an ear to the ground on the clean up the town, Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Cause, uh, Anthony and Claire are really good about updating you guys there. Uh, while you're still shopping, let's talk about the Mondo poster for answer the call that, uh, Paul Feig announced on his Twitter account today. Um, and we saw it in the live interview as well. It was in the live interview. They actually had prints there. Um, it's it's very cool. Uh, we don't have sale information on that as of yet, but knowing that it's a Mondo print, pretty safe to assume that that will be up for sale soon. Uh, Ghostbusters Vinnie Mates from Diamond. We got to see what the San Diego Comic-Con exclusives are going to be for, for those guys. It's uh, a battle-damaged Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man that is going to be limited to 1,500 pieces, which is... Uh, 0.0008 of the San Diego Comic-Con population. So uh, make sure if you want one of those, you hop in line very first thing when you get down to San Diego. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see, what else can we kind of rapid fire? Oh, Tom Spina. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tom. He has helped uh, restore a lot of the Star Wars Cantina masks um, and, and some of the creatures from the Star Wars uh, saga. And he, he's appeared at, at Star Wars Celebration. He's been on the Rebel Force Radio podcast several times. A really great guy, friendly guy. Uh, in celebration of Ghostbusters Day, he posted some photos and behind the scenes of a restoration that they did on the Vince Clortho uh, statue from the, the Temple of Zul. Um, and not, not much there, but it's really cool to see these guys doing the restoration work and making sure that this particular piece of movie history is preserved. Um, what I'd be curious, I don't know who owns that. Where is that? Is that something that's in Sony's archives and Sony commissioned them to restore it or? I yeah, curious. I don't Where did that come from? No. 
And it's a strange one too. It's not. It looks like it was uh, used for the. Like I'm not 100 percent sure it was actually used uh, on the on the rooftop. It's not on the actual like, set. Yeah. Like there's something a tad more organic looking about it. Like it looks like it might have been some sort of test maquette or something. Oh, maybe. I mean, the other thing that I was thinking is, you know, when Dana gets out of the car and crosses the street with the bag of groceries, when you see that the one that's in the foreground, I'm wondering if that was the optical uh, Vin's uh, statue that they shot to composite into that, maybe? Possibly. I'd have to go look back and look now because I didn't yeah. think that was actually one of the terror dogs now that you mention it. Oh, you're right. Maybe that was uh, just a gargoyle. Maybe I'm, I think it's I'm just a gargoyle. gargoyle. A, a yeah. foreshadowing gargoyle. Um, but yeah, like if you look at it, there's like the, the, I don't know what you call them, the cheeks, cheek ligaments or something. Like there's something less like art deco angular huh. to it and more, more rounded or something or organically. I don't know. Yeah. It's a little hard to say. Okay. So, well, it's interesting. But, I'd, I'd, I'd really, maybe we can get Tom on the show. He seems like a, a good guy. I'll try yeah. to reach out to him and see if we can pick his brain about this particular piece. Uh, tell us exactly what's going on there. Yeah. But the photos he took of the restoration are amazing. And that thing was by rough count. 25% busted up like if not outright missing at least damaged yeah and yeah. they they put it all back together it was a lot of work and it's a big piece too the photos show the the scale of it you know you've got the sculptor that's standing next to it and it's almost as tall as as they are so yeah um so yeah so very cool check that out that's on uh tom spina's website we'll post that uh, up on the the uh, crossrip uh twitter and facebook accounts um, Sony's doing clean edits of their films. This is something that ordinarily, if it was a slow news day, we could probably really get into and, and debate. But uh, I don't, is there a debate? I don't. To really? me, it's like it's like a TV edit. What's the big deal? I, everybody's kind of losing their shit over this, and I don't understand why. Or, or um, an airline edit. Yeah. And <clears throat> at the end of the day, and here's the thing: I don't know why more people haven't picked up on this. You make this movie clean. You do that by. Uh, I think removing uh, a little bit from the Fort Detmering scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you use the alternate takes for a bunch of dialogue. Yeah, the knockabout punch That's of pure it. joy and Wally Wick and you're done. Yeah. Guess what? The best we've ever gotten for that is if you managed to do uh, an HD recording off of a couple of uh, television screens uh, plays like AMC or something in recent years. Yeah. Maybe not AMC, but uh, and with uh, commercials and all that in it. So really, all they're offering to us fans, like you can debate. <sighs> Fine, I'll step in on behalf of corporate America to point out that their whole plan here is to be able to sell a few more copies where they couldn't before. Sure, that yeah. means they're looking at people that are like, this movie would be great for my child, who is. 10, but I don't let them hear the word. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, we do try to avoid the explicit rating. Yeah, but I mean, there and, and stuff that's, <laughs> that's there's like prehistoric bitch at the end, which is uh, cut out of the TV edit. Um, yeah. But, and but, I mean, things that, that we don't find because we've grown up with this movie now, we don't find it all that offensive. Uh, but, you know, there are things in there that, yeah. 
you're showing your six-year-old kid uh, and you go, oh, wait, wait a minute, you shouldn't be seeing this quite yet. Uh, so from their perspective, they're like, here's a way to get it to get 20 bucks out of families yeah. that weren't going to give us 20 bucks normally for the rest of us as fans. It means we now finally have digital home video copies of the alternate of takes. Alternate and, takes. And, yeah, exactly. Right. So now, I mean, and, and most movies don't really do that anymore because the TV edit no. is kind of gone by the wayside, but ghostbusters came out right in that sweet spot where the Sunday night movie was a big event and everybody sat down to yeah. watch ABC to watch ghostbusters. So, of course yeah. they shot TV edit stuff. Of course they did airplane uh, specific versions of the movies. Um, because now, back not then, so much, you know. If you were going to watch a movie on an airplane, and I remember this, and you may still remember this, but some people listening may not have never experienced this. You were in the world's worst movie theater. Yeah. With a group of people watching the same one movie on a tiny little screen. Like up at the front of the cabin. Yeah, yeah, not not your own <laughs> tiny individual screen, but like a projection no. screen that was on the bulkhead of the middle of the plane. Yeah, which means they had to take into account that there might be small children there that cannot hear bad words or see a booby. So, <laughs> yep. Um, yep, yeah. So, uh, so I mean, the the clean edit thing. It's it's interesting in the sense that you know Seth Rogen said, "Stop editing my movies," but yet they've been doing this since showing movies on TV. They've edited movies for time. They've edited movies for content. You always see that this film has been modified from its original version. This is nothing new. And I don't know why Sony's actually promoting this. I feel like they could be doing this and, uh, you know, maybe it's because they're going to offer it through a direct, uh, like their digital crackle or something like that. And that's why they're trying to promote it. But, um, so it's Frank, it's frankly something that they maybe should have announced to us when like, say, Ghostbusters was available to watch and we could all look at it and go, Oh, you know oh, what? Oh yeah. It's, it's not, okay. It's not about a big the same. deal. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously they're not going to be doing, I think, you know, Seth Rogen gets upset, but they're probably not going to be doing the interview. They're not going to do a clean edit of, of these big, like R rated <laughs> movies that, what are you going to show? How are you going to show yeah. it? So, um, um, yeah. And it's the funny part is, is that for film buffs, a lot of these alternates in their own way are, well, much like, we have the alternate improv takes like as Ghostbusters fans, um, uh, return of the living dead. One of the punks has a, uh, a, uh, uh, on his jacket. He has a patch that I think says, you know, F off or something like yeah, that. Yeah. They reshot the scene and wardrobe basically replaced the patch with a patch that read TV version. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Edgar That's Wright funny. for Shaun of the dead. They're like, you need a clean version. He's like, do you know how often, you know, the F word is said in this movie? And they said, mm, gotta do what you gotta do. So he made what he calls the, the, the funk version. The funk every version. time they said the F word, they said funk instead. We got all the actors <laughs> to do ADR, so it's four in the funkin' morning. <laughs> like funky and that, version. Yeah. And that version is available on the home video. It is worth watching oh, in its see, that's own. Fun. Well, and that's just an audio track, so that's that's easy. But uh, Yes. But you yeah. know what I mean. It's it's these things in their own way can be kind of delightful. And that's before that's what the planned ones. What's the uh uh, what's the stakes on a plane? Oh, Monday, Monday Friday through Friday, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like tired of these Monday Friday <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Snakes on my mother Monday Friday plane. Mister Falcon um, is how they get away with it in uh, Die Hard Two, and that was always that was my favorite. <laughs> Yippee ki yay, Mister Falcon. 
Mr. Falcon. <laughs> and it's not even Bruce Willis that says it, too. It's a sound alike, which is great. It makes no sense. No, it doesn't all, make any so. sense. I think if any, so there I was think, like a code name. Anyway, yeah. This is this is a good indication that I think there's a subset of fans that just want to get worked up over something. Yeah, it's, it's fine. And, and it's it's, it, it's also a debate, you know, because there was, there was a, a Mormon company that was taking the movies themselves and editing them down so that the, the yeah. Mormon community could watch them. That's a little different because it was a third party coming in to do this. But if if it's the studio and the filmmakers are involved, and I think it's a, a totally different thing. But um, so anyway, we, we will probably have to come back to the clean edits thing once we actually see what they do. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, so one more before we start talking, Mr. Dan Aykroyd, uh, for the win, uh, our buddy Brayden, uh, Brayden! who that was the, the big heartwarming Ghostbusters day reveal. Um, so Jesse Wilson started his day, uh, here on KTLA five in Los Angeles, uh, revealing this trailer to, to Los Angeles, talking about his, his, uh, charity for the win and what he does and, and how yeah. he makes these kids feel super cool, especially when Some they're super down exposure. on their luck. Yeah. Really, really cool stuff. They got some great exposure here in LA. And then on top of that, they released the poster and the trailer, which is, it's more than a trailer. It's like a short film. Uh, let's be honest about that. Uh, that features Braden getting a call from Dr. Stance and he's got to jump into action and save the day. And uh, it's it's really cool. And a lot of people are involved. We saw a lot of the, the fan franchises, including such on your Cabo. I was like, hey, I'm watching the trailer with you in it and you're sitting across from me at a desk. It's, it's really funny. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so, uh, fans involved, there's a little cameo. There's a few cameos in there. Uh, I saw Robin Shelby pops up and, um, yeah, just, it's really cool. You and I got thanks in the credits, Chris. I don't know what we did, but we got special thanks. Um, well, there's a fundraiser. Remember? Oh, that's, oh, uh, that was it. That's probably why, huh? Well, it's slightly confused by the fact I'm in there twice. So um, it's possible that part of the thanks was uh, because we did uh, we did promote it quite a bit. Like I we guess, tried yeah, to we encourage people to, to get in and, there. Yeah, yeah, and, but still. Uh, uh, get people, you know, dr- drive people towards the fund uh, fundraising I, and all yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. I did. It was a GoFundMe, so that's probably why. Yeah, that's that makes sense. I'm like, why, why am I in the credits? I mean, Chris, uh, Proton Charging, you really got the word out there, but. Uh, we interviewed I, him. And, I didn't uh, do anything. Yeah. yeah. And I threw money into the pot there that also. Uh, so, yeah, we're in there. Yeah. Okay. All right. We deserve to be in there because it's all about us, Troy. It's all about us. It really is. No, it's all about Brayden, and he's. uh, You can see the 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 joy on the and that guy's face as he's like throwing the particle accelerator, and even though he's not seeing the state of Marshmallow Man, uh, they they added that in, and I've I've come to find out that it's the same guy who did the uh trailer reaction video with the state of marshmallow man and slimer he's the guy that did the uh, visual effects on this so oh there you uh, go that's that's why state puff looks a little familiar as well but um so yeah very very cool go check that out if you haven't seen it because it's it's uh, i mean sean bishop uh is credited as the stunt driver of the ecto so i guess that was his ecto and not that's probably his ecto ecto. yeah yeah um, so it was, it's cool. Like all of the fans came together to create this thing and, and Jesse of, of the, uh, for the win, uh, foundation, I think it's a foundation for the win charity. Um, you know, he, he orchestrated this whole thing and, and it's, it's really cool to see. So, uh, go, it's not, go it's not I've, yeah, it's not over either. Keep an eye on these people because you know, there's Braden, but they've done others. 
Oh yeah, they've they've with done other others, kids, and uh, they'll they'll do more. And yeah, and that's that's good. You want? I mean, the more the more that these kids get that experience, uh, the the merrier. So um, yeah, check out for the win. Uh, same thing. We'll post that up on on the show sites uh, so you can watch that. But it's it's a lot of fun. Um, all right. Well, okay. Before we talk about the other Dan Aykroyd stuff, let's talk about the fun <laughs> stuff. Maybe <laughs> sure. Is that okay? Uh, so he's been doing an overseas promo tour for crystal head vodka. Um, and I know there's been a little bit of, of bouncing around of venues, uh, on the, the, the first couple of stops that he had. And I think that was scheduling. And then also a little bit because of Manchester, uh, the, all the stuff that was happening in, in London. Um, but so at any rate, I have seen a lot of the, uh, the ghost heads out there have gotten their stuff signed. I saw the Welsh Ghostbusters were in line. I saw Anthony Bueno got to uh, go say hi to, to Dan. Um, the signings look like they've been a lot of uh, a, a very big success because Dan is usually not yeah. in, in that part of the world. And um, he's taking the opportunity to take some photos with his crystal head bottle in front of some iconic uh, structures and historic monuments and, and things like that, which is a lot of fun to see. Every every single one looks like a, a perfume ad to me. For it some really does. Reason. It really does. I think it's <laughs> it's because it's European. It is very sophisticated. It's very sophisticated. Yeah. He's, he, suit, black suit, white shirt, crisp white shirt. Yeah, yeah. Glass skull. There's something uh, Annabella Rossellini about it. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> it really is. Isabella, oh, not Isabella. Annabella, Isabella. Yeah. Uh, what I have your, to screw up at least one everybody, name per episode. So there names. we go. Um, so, but because he's out there doing this, and and we are going to get into what he said on a certain morning show in a second. But he is out there doing a whole lot of press, uh, doing a lot of interviews, and he did a really great interview, almost like a half hour interview on the Chris X uh, radio show. Uh, that Chris they Moyles, also, yeah. yeah, that they they live broadcast out there. Um, so I th- I thought we could just play a, a short clip or two, uh, just some excerpts. But you should go seek out that entire interview because it's it's a lot of fun. Um, it it does sort of just kind of get into it's like the Howard Stern interview uh, where you're like, all right, guys, we got it, like the morning show, hurrah! But uh, there's there's some good stuff in there. So here's here's what we'll do. We'll 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 play a couple of clips from that interview. Uh, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about that other interview. So here's here's the Chris X show. Um, here's another question from Paul in Maidstone saying, can you ask Dan if he, st- if he ever hears from Rick Moranis? You know, we approached Rick to do the Ghostbusters uh, movie with the, with the, the ladies there, and, um, and uh, I think there was a miscommunication. I think he thought that we wanted him to play the character from the first two movies, right. whereas we had written something completely new for him. Um, and, uh, he, you know, he passed on it, but, um, no, I haven't seen him, uh, really, uh, that much, but I, I, you know, when I talk about Ghostbusters, I start out by crediting Murray, first of all, mm. uh, as being the greatest romantic leading man ever, you know, and the strongest cast members and the ones who really drove the, the quality of the acting and the performances were Bill Murray, Sigourney Weaver, and Rick Moranis. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and Moranis is responsible for a large part of the success of that movie, big, you know, big, big, a big contribution to both of them. Yeah, he's uh, a brilliant guy. Obviously, Bill Murray. We we could talk about him <clears> for, <throat> for for days without coming up for air. But Rick Moranis. <clears throat> um, I was reading something recently. Rick kind of is all but kind of retired, isn't he? He's he's like a family man and just kind of just. Well, is that his, right? He kind lost of... his wife and his kids were young, and he yeah. he did the right thing. He went and he he raised them. Yeah, 
He did a country record uh, that's supposed to be really good that I've heard some some cuts off. But uh, you know, yeah, it's it's a choice that uh, yeah. that, he, that that he's that he's made. But he, he does do television from time to time. He works with Dave Thomas, right? And uh, you know, I I mean, uh, I I would love to see him do another feature. You know, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He's just a great great talent. And, yeah, uh, and really a smart smart guy. Uh, very quickly, let's fire through some of these. Dave says, did you get to keep the goat leggings from Dragnet? <laughs> I'm sure they're in a universal <laughs> costume warehouse somewhere. Uh, they were pretty funky after getting out of that snake. Uh, I would imagine. Yeah, I, bet. I yeah. would imagine. What's coming up? Uh, it's, it's, I'm 100% focused on the, on the beverage alcohol okay. now. And also music. I play music uh, uh, quite frequently with Jimmy. And um, then I take care of my folks. My mom's 99. My dad's 95. I and, can't. You know, that's that's amazing. And, you know, and wife. How, and, how is the wife and your, <clears throat> and your children? How good. are they? All good. You know, they... And so, you know, can't spend enough time. You're only as happy as your least happiest child. So, you know, there's a concentrate. And I find at this point in life now, Chris, you know, that I don't live for myself anymore. I right. live for other people. I live in service to others. And that's fine. That's fine. And I, I, I take very little for myself except the odd Harley Davidson ride. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? That's a lovely sentiment. And you'll be pleased to know I've taken over the mantle uh, from you. I, I just live for myself. <laughs> good. So it's good that you're living for the people. I am. I, I'm right. living for me. Yeah, it's all about me with me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that's you know that's that'll you know that'll at, at least you'll you'll be safe because be watching out for yourself first. Exactly. Yeah. I'm working on a script. Oh, you cool. know, you were saying everybody writes scripts. Yeah, do it. And uh, I, I'd love you to see it. I know that that's not the done thing. It's breaking the uh, rules. I'll definitely, to I'll definitely look at it. Send it's it. not. It's obviously not finished yet because it's only two hundred. Don't send till it's finished. It's two hundred eighty-seven pages so okay. far. Okay, it's got to be three fifty. Is what you're saying? That's the max. And man, then I'll send it to you. Yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll be able to sort that out for me and whittle it down and pull the best. But that's great, sure. Dan. You're so nice. Sure, it's, I really appreciate that. And then you'll make it, and it'll be a big hit. Well, there you go. Absolutely. It's called. Sure. Uh, it's called the greatest vodka in the world ever. It's a uh. screenplay I'm working on. <laughs> I think you'll like it. <laughs> well, God bless you, sir. Thank go you. Go and see. If you're in London or you can get to London, go and see Dan. He's going to be in Covent Garden this afternoon. Uh, Four to six. If you get in line by six o'clock, I service you. If not, you know, I look at that. Can't help it. He will. Dan Aykroyd will service you. Yeah, that's right. Hi, this is Kelly, and I'm participant in the biggest interdimensional crossroads since 1909. You are a most fortunate individual. Hi, my name is Martin, and I am a participant in the biggest interdimensional crossroads since 1909. Boy, the superintendent's going to be pissed. Hi, this is Rob Sturzman, and I'm participating in the biggest interdimensional crossroads since 1909. Okay, I think it's time, Chris. I think it's... <sighs> All right, so... In to, to talk about the mountain that got made out of a molehill? The mountain out of a molehill, molehill the much ado about nothing, the... The tempest in a teapot? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay, so in case you missed it, and chances are you probably did not miss it, um, according to so many news sites, uh, media blogs, uh, some, some really high-caliber journalists out there as well uh, caught onto it and, and rode the wave. Uh, Dan Aykroyd has poisoned, shot, stabbed, hung, stretched, disemboweled, drawn, and quartered Paul Feig, depending on which article you read. Uh, ouch, by the way. 
Um, but no, I mean, seriously, I just, before we even talk about it, I feel like we should play the clip. Because the other thing, too, is, is stuff was taken out of context and then analyzed. And if you just, if you watch yeah. the actual clip, which you can't do on this podcast, but you can listen to it, um, you kind of get the, the better sense of things. So I, th- I think before you and I even talk about it, we should play what he said and then we can talk about what he said. Um, right. And I, I have to give a little uh, tip of the cap here to a couple of people, Trev Gummer and uh, Ross McLean, who both sent us clips and we've kind of cobbled things together from that because we don't have the full... They, they haven't released this anywhere because of what he said, I think. I think it very quickly sort of uh, got embargoed or whatever. But anyway, so um, on Sunday brunch, these are Dan Aykroyd's comments with the hosts on Sunday morning. Here's what he says. Ghostbusters, again, huge. Still going because I just made a, a, a sequel. Uh, not a sequel. Yeah, the a girls are it. great. And Kate McKinnon and uh, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Kristen Wiig, what wonderful, wonderful players they are, Leslie Jones. I was really happy with the movie, but it cost too much. <laughs> and, uh, and Sony does not like to lose money. They don't get, it, it made a lot of money around the world, but it just cost too much, making it economically not feasible to do another one. So... It's too bad. I, 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 you know, the director, he spent too much on it, and he, 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 he didn't shoot scenes we suggested to him, uh, several scenes that were going to be needed, and he said, no, we don't need them, and then we tested uh, the movie, and they needed them, and he had to go back, and about 30 to 40 million in reshoots, so, mm. yeah, wow. so uh, he will not be back on the Sony line anytime soon. <laughs> 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 Um, the visual that I had, Bill Marino and you and everyone, it was just, it was just, it was an amazing success as well, wasn't it? Just incredible how the franchise from that was, was a huge yeah. merchandise and everything. Well, that's just still going that. strong. They, they, they'll do all our merchandise in the past two movies and they'll do okay on the third one eventually, you know. But you just can't be profligate like that in the film business anymore. Just, it's not acceptable. Come on, you know. It's not, not fair. It's not fair. Is it all right if we look at a clip of this as well, though? Because it's brilliant. Yeah, I'm a t-shirt he was just huge, and, and that movie—he was the best romantic leading man I don't, I think, ever uh, in, since the classic movies you know, of it, the thirties and forties. He's is so it, great. Is it true that he doesn't have an agent, and that he just—he just picks up calls and then? He doesn't have an agent. No, if you want him, you you uh, you get a, a forensic private investigator. <laughs> <laughs> you find where he is, and then you uh, slip a note uh, to his lawyer to say, would you, you know. That's basically going to lawyer. Is he what? The, the image of him is he's just a really lovely bloke who just is just enjoying his life. Billy would it. give you the skin off his back. He is so generous oh, and, wow. and so kind. But he does not suffer fools uh, easily, though. <laughs> I've seen him handle <laughs> Into the cistern. But, uh, but no, he's, he's so great. And, uh, you know, the, the success of that movie, I really I really credit him. And Rick Moranis was great. And, and Sigourney, you know, and Harold, you know. Um, Harold and I were kind of, you know, the weaker actors in there. It was really Sigourney and and, and, and Rick and and Billy that that really just just drove it forward. Dan, we could talk to you all morning. Uh, Okay, so let's unpack this. Um, And and chances are, if you just listen to it, it's not as as mean-spirited and dragged through the mud and... I mean, if you, if you read the articles alone, you would think that Dan just laid into Paul Feig that said, like, this guy was the worst director. Where did we dig him up from? I can't believe they trusted our franchise. But, like, the headlines make it sound like that's what Dan said. And that's not what Dan said at all. Um, no. It's he goes out of his way to praise the cast. He he says he enjoyed the movie. He's proud of the movie. Um 
and and it sounds like whatever scenes that they suggested needed to be filmed were eventually filmed. It's uh, I get the impression that whatever their suggestions were were accomplished because that's why he brings up the the monetary cost of things. Um, so I, I just I don't know I everybody like and and we have some of your voicemails that we're gonna get to here in a second, but like the predominant theme that I got from people is like, oh man, this is a drag. I can't believe it. Now they're th- pointing fingers and throwing people under the bus and I can't believe that it's come to this. I, I don't get that sense at all from this clip. I mean, I, he's just reiterating something that we we've also heard Ivan Reitman say, look, the movie cost a whole lot of money to make. It didn't make more than whatever the amount was that they had targeted. So, you know, it, it was not a monumental monetary success. And that's probably why it won't have another sequel. And and that's that's what Dan is saying here with crazy inflated numbers, which Sony was quick to, uh, to correct on multiple websites because Dan says... Uh, thirty to forty million dollars yeah. in reshoots, which it's like no, it's only a decimal place. No, there. three, three or four. It was like a two or three day shoot at most. Um, yeah, I pointed this out somewhere else. If you have to do reshoots that cost thirty to forty million dollars, you're probably going to find yourself on the end of a clause in the contract in which they pull you off the oh, movie. Oh boy, I mean that's and somebody else steps in to finish it. That's that's like Rogue One levels of reshoots, or I, we know that they're doing a lot of reshoots on Justice League now, where you know yeah. Joss Whedon's been called in. That makes sense. 20, 20 30, 40 million because they're going to be shooting four, five, maybe even six weeks worth of footage. That makes a whole lot of sense. Um, Two or three days? No, no, yeah, no yeah. way. That... And and I don't I don't think the other thing here that doesn't kind of compute is that the reshoots are probably not what drove that, especially if it's only three to four million dollars in a however many i don't have the budget in front of me i think it was like a 200 million dollar 250 i forget what their their total budget was but um that's sort of a drop in the bucket so so dan sort of throwing this out there as that's what sort of broke the the straw that broke the camel's back doesn't make a whole lot of sense wasn't it 140 140 million 140 was it I couldn't remember if it was less than 200 or not. It wasn't a quarter of a billion dollars. It made a little over a quarter billion dollars. Okay. So, but still, I mean, but in, in comparison, I mean, it's sure. What's three or $4 million to, I mean, that's, that's like three houses here in LA. It's like nothing. Um, That's, that's a rundown bungalow here in Vancouver. (laughs) Yeah. See there. Yeah. It's like nothing. But uh, so anyway, so I think what got the most attention was the joke at the end. And because that's when you take that quote and you pull it out of context, you don't see Dan's face. He's mugging directly to the camera and he's got this kind of like Bugs Bunny smirk on his face when he says it. Um, it's like, I, I heard an interview with Al Franken and he said, you know what? You can't litigate comedy. And that's what he found out very quickly when he became a politician was, you know, if I make a joke and people start debating it, it can't be done. You can't litigate that joke. And so here's Dan and he makes these comments about why the, why he thinks the movie was not successful. And then he says the director will not be allowed on the Sony lot anytime soon. And, but you know, it's, it's sort of that like, well, he's in movie jail. He's not working anytime soon. Like it's that kind of blase, like a, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it is an ill-advised joke. Yeah. 
Um, but he's, but he is joking. And, and when you see him, he's, he's kidding about it. And, and the fact that Sony, when they came back with this correction about the three to 4 million, the fact that they just say like, Paul Feig is always welcome on the Sony lot. There's no reason to think otherwise. Like yeah. we look forward to making more movies with him. Um, the, the number one most telling thing that it is not an issue and it was not meant the way it got conflated by the media is that Paul Feig said nothing about it. Yeah, yeah. At all. He just kept going with the happy <sighs> Ghostbusters day. There's stuff coming. He never he never even acknowledged it, which is is which is a clear way of saying there's no fight here. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just it's a it's a non-starter. And I'm sure I'm sure if you're Paul Feig, I'm sure that those comments don't feel great. Like you probably don't I'm sure that that he wasn't it's not praise, I guess is what I'm saying. Like he's, he is sort of saying that it's Paul's fault that maybe the movie didn't do as well as they hoped it would. It's, it's a confused message, you know, cause he says it's a great movie and it's a great cast and it was funny and it did okay. And it didn't do better because X, Y, Z. It's because like it cost too much. Yeah. It's a bit of a mixed message. Did, are you, com- are you saying it didn't work or it did work? Cause he, you he's kind yeah. of splitting the difference here. And I'm pretty sure that's a discussion that's Paul's been through. They've all been through over and over and over again, probably even leading up to it. Cause I guarantee you there was probably discussion about the reshoots and what it meant and all this yeah. sort of thing. And, yeah. and like I said, Paul just kind of left it where it was. And we've seen Paul, <laughs> if Paul had something to say and there was a real fight there, oh, Paul, yeah. would, he would say Paul something. would at minimum make a, you know, a mild response or at a maximum, you know, stick to his guns, and he, instead he just yeah kept on trucking. So, kept on trucking, and it was mere days after that photo of he and Dan. He he retweeted it and said, you know, I I love and admire Dan. Uh, it was such a pleasure to yep. work with him. So Dan makes these comments, whatever it was, like Ill-advised two days after timing. that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it Paul Paul's response I thought was very classy. He posted that photo of his Lego firehouse that he says is one of his most prized possessions because it's signed by both original uh, and new casts um yep. and just you know very cool and he didn't sort of stoke the fire which was nice um but then dan does something chris and i don't i don't quite understand this either <laughs> it's it's like he tries to dig himself out <laughs> he did the, he did the classic thing of you're stupid apologize for <laughs> Apologize. All right. I'm sorry you're stupid. You know. Like, yeah, I'm sorry that you're like, stupid. Yeah. What? I, it was. It was the uh, the non-apology. God. It was. I, I. I thought. Okay. Things are subsiding, and and the bummer, which we won't get into, is yes, it brought all of the people back out of the woodwork, and we got the ha ha. See. Um. But and and just like deja vu. Um. But. But so, so Dan gets on social media and he, I'll, I'll say this verbatim. He says, Paul Feig made a good movie and had a superb cast and plenty of money to do it. We just wish he had been more inclusive to the originators. That's new. It cost everyone as it is. It cost everyone as it is unlikely. Kristen, Leslie, Melissa, and Kate will ever reprise their roles as Ghostbusters, which is sad. Okay. So now he's saying, he had plenty of money. It's not uh, budget. It's not budget. I forget what I said on Sunday brunch. 
Now the problem is that he was not more inclusive to the originators of the film. So, okay, so second argument, uh, we now, I mean, we know that there were some disputes behind the scenes about the new movie. We know that there were scenes like the dance scene, for example. That's one that we know that some people said, I don't think that should be in the movie. And Paul's like, no, it's going to play. It's going to be great. Um, And we know that that was sort of a, a back and forth. Um, do you think that's what Dan's talking about here? Is that uh, maybe not just that, but maybe some other stuff. Cause here's the thing. Uh, and this is ultimately what it comes down to is that the reason this movie got, I answer the call got off the ground was after, to be fair, Dan had not only, you know, Dan was 100% involved and Sony didn't want any of it. Uh, per se, um, yeah. Yeah. or Dan or Bill didn't one or the other. The the only reason it got moving was Ivan renegotiated the way the rights were set up. Uh, and I it, just for a recap for people who don't remember back to I think a year ago we discussed it because the news was out that five rights holders Sony and four principals um, uh, the Bill Dan Harold and Ivan. Uh, all had an equal say and needed a you know quorum to right. uh, thumbs up, which is why nothing forward. ever moved. Yeah, ever moved. Either Sony didn't like it, or Bill didn't like it, or what have you. I think at one point Harold didn't like it. Right. Um, yeah. In exchange for a uh, big payday, uh, that that okie dokie was taken away from the principals. Not taken away, given away by the principals. Yeah. But. We don't know the details, but obviously there was left that they were, there was room for them to be involved. Not least of which is Ghost Core was formed. Ghost Core is the keeper of the flame. Yeah. This is what Ghostbusters is. So obviously that's where they entered entered into this discussion and with Paul Feig. Yeah. The, yeah. And Dan wishes, and this is where it gets kind of messy. And I, this is where I think one, if the, if you if you find flaws, lots are little. With the new movie, I would put my finger on the. Um, it, it was it was Paul Feig's movie, yeah. And really, it's been clear since day one it was not entirely in his hands. Uh, there was this back and forth. There was this push. There was this debate. And at the end of the day, it it may, it may not have worked if he had just done it on his own. But at least then, unequivocally, we could point at it and say it's Paul Feig's movie, and yeah, it, yeah. checkbox worked. Checkbox did not work. Like now we're in this realm of it kind of worked, and why did it kind of work? Is it because of that? Is yeah. it because of that? Is it because of that? I don't know. Paul Feig has a track record. He can do funny stuff, um, and you know. When you've got a director that's semi-confident, get out of the way. And I get the impression that this is a leftover of the they didn't get out of the way and kind of think that had he adopted more of their stuff. I never think anything made by committee has ever been successfully pulled off. You can't point to anything that's really worked that well that was done by committee. Because it's usually, you look at uh, Tim Burton's Batman. That is Tim Burton's movie through and through. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I think that's the problem that, that DC has been having with their films is, you know, movie Suicide Squad was like a test audience cut that movie. Like, I don't I don't yeah. I don't know that that was an auteur's vision. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like this, we, we, we can say this is Paul Feig's movie. He had a vision for it. He wanted it to be a yeah. certain way. Um, and I think, I think that's, yeah, I think you've hit it right on the head there because some people point to that and they say, Oh, more inclusive of the originators, meaning the original characters should have been in the movie, which maybe that's what he means too. Um, but at the same time, I think he's, he's talking the originators being he, Harold and Ivan uh, having more creative pull, um, having more of a say and, 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 and this also, this, this reminds me, it's a little reminiscent of Ernie's comments, um, you know, that we've heard him say a few times, not just about the reboot movie, but about real Ghostbusters and things like that. Like he's hurt. He's hurt that he's not involved in certain things. And then, so he comes back and he's like, I don't know why I didn't get a call for it. You know, if, if I would have yeah. been involved, maybe it would have been something else, you know? Um, it would have, it, it, and it may have worked and it may have not. The, the, yeah. the point here is we're left with, we, there will always be this ongoing debate because it was, you know, at least three different groups. It was, um, you know, Paul Feig and his creative team. It was yeah. Ghost Corps and their their uh, Bible of what the franchise is supposed to be, and Sony with their right. it's our money, <laughs> and this is what we want to get out of this franchise, and this is how we do things currently. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Um, it's. I mean, it's I, unfortunate. It. I don't think that it's as depressing or earth shattering or no, I mean, a, really. a lot of people and, and again, we're going to get to your voicemails um, uh, in a second here, but a, a lot of people responded in a way that they felt very sorrowful about it. And I don't, I don't feel like it's, I mean, yes, it's not, it's not great to see because Dan is always the big champion out there. You know, Dan's always the one that's yeah. out there. Like we're going to start filming this movie in the spring and it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be amazing. He's always the, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the snake oil salesman that's out there. This is the thing that has to be taken away from it. I don't know why people forgot this, but Dan was the lovable uncle we stopped listening too closely to. This right? is like, also true. Like Dan also says a lot of weird stuff. Like, um, he really does. So, and, and not just, not just, I mean, the, that, that wasn't a dig at his, his viewpoints on no. UFOs and things like that. He will come out and he'll say, yeah, we're working on a new ghostbusters movie. It's going to be, uh, the ghostbusters, uh, in space. They're going to be on the moon. Uh, we're going to find a crazy moon alien. And yeah, he, what? Oscar's leading the team and we're back and I have an eye patch and it's like, well, wow. What? And, and you can almost picture like if, if you were, if you were standing talking to him and he said something like that, like, um, is it, Oh shoot. Which Adam Sandler movie is it where like they keep cutting back to the guy that's like shaking his head. Like that's, that's what I picture (laughs) is just like, he says this stuff and then somebody's in the corner like, ah, Oh, Dan. Yeah. Oh, Dan. Um, um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. We also live in the era of this stuff would have happened in the past and meant nothing because it didn't travel fast. Would have never Literally, seen it. Literally, yeah. the second he said this on TV, somebody had their camera, like their phone camera, pointed at the screen, yeah. taped this bit. And ported it onto me on Twitter, saying, "What about this?" Well, and like, the, yeah, and the funny thing too is, so <sighs> that was, um, it was very early in the morning, obviously because it was early in the morning uh, in the UK, so eight hours yeah, ahead of, of us, the, middle of the night here, right? Like, um, but you know, the the funny thing is, so uh, Ross McLean, who is the first person that kind of pointed it out to us, 
he his first tweet was oh my god dan just laid into i or into paul feig on sunday brunch and then he posted the little clip and i think what happened was because it is it's it's that that day and age where you read the headline you like and you retweet everybody was liking and retweeting him saying like that oh my god dan just tore into to paul feig without even watching the clip and i think that's what happened was it just sort of escalated from there uh, the confirmation bias came into play real quick. Oh yeah, yeah. And and the funny thing is Ross, you know, because I I made some comment I was like, real headline, Dan Aykroyd says new Ghostbusters movie costs too much. Headline that's out there, Dan Aykroyd punches Paul Feig in the face, you know. Uh, yeah. it, it didn't make any sense and then Ross even said, you know, I feel bad. Like I I was just kind of being fasci- f- f- <laughs> facetious. Um he he almost he apologized. He's like, I'm sorry, and I'm like, no, dude, this isn't your fault. Like, there's no reason for you to be sorry about this. I'm I'm glad you captured it so that we have the video and we can talk yeah. about it. Um, and then complicate it even further. Speaking of the person off screen shaking their head, uh, for rebroadcast, <laughs> that was left out. The, yes, the, those comments yes. were left out. To which again, confirmation bias came into play, and somebody said. <gasps> They're censoring him. It's like, well, mm. you're not entirely wrong, just not for the reasons you think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's here's my take on that for the rebroadcast part of it. Um, I I would be willing to bet right here and now that Dan, because this is a big promotional tour for Crystal Head Vodka, he's traveling with a publicist, and Dan has had a very a very loyal publicist that he's been with forever. I think since yep. the '80s. She was probably there with him and heard him say this. And I'm like, Dan, what? What was that? You don't want to start bad mouthing the director of the movie that you're a producer on. And <laughs> three days before Ghostbusters Day, three days before there's going to be this huge rush. And you're out here. You're on on basically a goodwill tour for your brand. You don't you don't want this kind of exposure. And I bet what happened was she said, yeah, like if, if you guys wouldn't mind, just don't when you rebroadcast stuff, if you could just clip that out and listen to any podcast, you know, uh, even, even our show, we will say stuff to people and we'll say, Hey, if you don't know, don't worry, we'll cut this out, you know, because you don't want people to stumble and say, Oh, I I actually, I don't know that. And then for whatever reason, if they're, if they're a professor of psychology and they say they don't know something, they don't want to be associated with, you know, the, the fact that they don't know that off the top of their head or, you know, there's, there's a million reasons why I don't think that it's start the conspiracy theories don't need to start there. That's, it's just strange. Meh. Um, the simplest thing that I go to sometimes is that his comment about his tongue and cheek comment about he won't be back on the Sony lot anytime soon. It's, and I'm sitting there going, and I, I had to go back and check too, scratching my head. And I went, look, do you know where all his success has been? Sony? Hasn't it? No, with Fox. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right because all of his stuff Fox. is through yeah. Fox. Yeah. So guess what? This was his one outing in the world of Sony, and it did so-so. And uh, it'll live yeah. beyond these. Like, trust me, there's stuff that will disappear in a flash. This one will not. Mm-hmm. Like it or or, or 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 love it or hate it, it's still going to carry on. So eh, yeah. mixed results. 
fair enough. And he's off to do the heat too with the Fox with Fox again. Right. Like it's, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. I get, I think his production offices are probably there by the, by the, uh, the sense I get. So Feedco is they're They're doing well. They're doing all right for themselves. So I I mean, it's, yeah, it's uh, whatever. I I feel, yeah, I feel like that's the best reaction to it is like, ah, whatever. Um, so, so, Oh, go go ahead. I was going to throw to voicemails, but you you have another point. Yeah, please. Well, no, it, it, I have a big disagreement with what he said about, and this, this, I I mentioned this before we go full circle back to, to earlier in the episode where he says, and it's sad because the, uh, the actresses won't get to reprise their roles. And I say, I don't think that's right. Especially in light of Ivan saying they want to bring everything together if you can say nothing i god i can already hear them yelling yes i know you don't like melissa mccarthy guess what i'm not a big fan of you know uh some actor or actors i don't know we all have our faves but guess what (laughs) she was in that movie because a lot of people do like a lot of people Uh, like all those actresses are there because people like them so guess what those characters were gold like they hit they made out yes Yes, sir. We understand that you didn't find them funny at all, uh, but you're not the be all end all. And um, since they did resonate with a lot of people, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't lose that resource. Yeah. Like that is now that is now a renewable source of of gold for Sony. They have to find a way to bring that back somehow. So I don't think those characters' days are done, and nor are the actresses' days doing those characters. No, I, think. I don't. Uh, even even as voice actors, I I have I, there, there's just that strong psychic belief that the actors from Answer the Call will appear in something Ghostbusters related again. Even if it's voices, even if it's live action, there will be something somewhere where they will be reprising their roles. Um, well, for your so. sake, I hope you're right. Um, <laughs> but no, um, uh, Kate McKinnon as as Holtzman alone. Yeah. has to come back at some point. Yeah. Like that character like that character alone secures a you know a a, a large female following um guaranteed. And, and so, lends itself so well to if they are working on the animated movie Holtzman in animation I, I mean Kate McKinnon yeah. is basically a cartoon character in that movie anyway. So, you know, there's there's no yeah. reason that that character can't even just make an appearance it doesn't even have to be a huge a character in the story um yeah I, I think it's pretty clear answer the call is not going to get you know ghostbusters answer the call too right yeah but as far as ivan reitman's concerned you know the engine has been stoked up again and he wants to bring it all back on track a then fine the the train cars from from track B will get, you know, carried <laughs> over. There's an analogy there that I think There's, is mostly holding together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the train will move forward regardless. Yeah. The yeah. sleeper cars are going to be, you know, put off on a siding. I, no, I don't know. Uh, what going. time does the dining car close? I need to go get a sandwich and some buttermilk. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah. And that's like, we've, we've talked about the, the movie's flaws. We've talked about its pros and its, its cons. I've actually found another flaw in the movie that um, <gasps> I was I was like, oh, man, if they just would have changed that, it would have flipped which the whole one, thing around. Which one? Which well, one? So the more that I think about it, when you watch the first, the original Ghostbusters movie, 
Yeah. Uh, they do their first bust and then they become superstars. They're on the cover of magazines. Their uh, yeah. their equipment's on Omni. They're they're world renowned uh, to the point where Dana's on the phone with her mom and she says, "Yes, those guys on TV." So even her mom knows who the Ghostbusters are. Yeah. And I think the one key flaw in the new Ghostbusters is that they're not popular. That that they they're Ghostbusters, but they're perceived as frauds, and the government's trying to do this whole thing to keep them down. And we we continue to the story that they're being kicked on the ground, uh, and they're not celebrities. If they would have just become yeah. celebrities, if they would have had that popularity, then we would have had a clear villain. The people that are trying to naysay them, we would have rooted for them because I mean, yes, they they're the underdogs, and we want to root for them, obviously, but. Uh, you know, they, they would have, again, you know what it, it goes back to me wanting a montage. I want to see them be successful. They're a small business. Yeah. I want to see them be successful before we go into the big third act, uh, to, to fight the big bad guy. And it wasn't even their reward at the end of the movie. They had to be secret, secret. It was working for the, yeah, for, secret. the for the, the mayor's office. Why? Like, I don't oh, understand okay. the, the, the appeal of ghostbusters is that they're rock stars. Everybody wants to be them. And so that, yeah, to me, I, I don't know when that hit me. It was like a week or two ago when I was watching it again. And I was like, why, why is everybody shitting on them? I don't understand this. They should be like, they just, they just captured a ghost. Everybody should be praising them. And all this stuff should be <laughs> happening. And I don't understand this. So yeah. But anyway, total t- side tangent there. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, again, the movie is not without fault. Um, and, but at the same time, I, I still enjoy it. I mean, I do, I like a lot of movies that have faults. Uh, there's some real good stuff in there. Yeah. So, and it can't go to, it can't go to waste. Right. And, and as we've seen, uh, the first people to run with this ball is IDW. It's too good to let that lie fallow. So yeah. they've picked it up and we have Ghostbusters 101. And look how seamless they integrate. Like those characters yeah. are, are perfect in there. And even a lot of this sort of cynical, uh, the people that comment on every single Facebook post that is, is answer the call related. I've seen them go, Oh, well they actually made this funny. You know, that, that look at what Eric Burnham can do with those characters. Look at what Dan Shonen can yeah. do with those characters. Um, so just imagine those characters in, uh, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller's hands or the Russo brothers or, or, you know, maybe even Ivan Reitman himself, who knows? Um, yeah, I, I just I don't I don't think that this is like the nail in the coffin of anything, uh, which which people are kind of making it out to be. So it boils down to it was um, careless. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> and, was. Yeah, and badly timed. That's, badly that's timed it. and careless. And Dan knows. I mean, Dan's media yeah. trained. He's he's savvy to that. So um, yeah, it was. Yeah, anyway. uh, there's there was a bad there was a slip there that whatever it'll all be over yeah well the time is errors is probably over it's yeah exactly everybody like ghostbusters day is probably you know uh kind of swept a little bit of that under the rug hopefully but um so but i I do want to get to you guys' voicemails because we did call for your because i i genuinely wanted to hear people's reactions to this because it seemed like there were a lot of people like yeah whatever this is no big deal and a lot of people that were just crushed by what dan was saying so um let's let's throw some of you guys' voicemails here um, we have uh, John from Positively Ghostbusters, and he was one that I, I specifically was hoping would call in because he seemed the most hurt by this. So here's here's John and his thoughts. Hey guys, this is John from Positively Ghostbusters. Boy, it's been a good day, huh? Anyway, 
I think uh, the dude said it best. Uh, this whole thing is a bummer, man. It's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily a bummer. I don't feel like it, again we've we've talked about it. I don't feel like it impacts much. I mean, it's just it's just Dan's comments. Like it. I know I'm gonna back him. It's a bit of a bummer. It may not be a bummer the way he means it, but I took it as a bummer the same way that it's like. I washed my car yesterday and I go out to drive to work in the morning and a bird's taking a big poop yeah. on it. The world's not going to end, yeah, but that, that kind sucks. of a bummer. Yeah. What the heck bird. And, and Dan, maybe, Dan maybe bird. It's the Dan bird. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe John is bummed out because Dan is usually the positive, uh, well, voice yeah, right that's there out the name, there and, right? and this is positively ghostbusters. So, you know, he's, that one advocate that he had out there that was being very vocal towards things, uh, th- threw in a little bit of negativity, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's like getting a snowball in the back of the head in a snowball fight. Somebody <laughs> yeah. behind your line. Yeah. Come isn't on. Isn't being very careful. Come on. Um, all right, let's go to, uh, this is Mark from North Carolina. Hi, my name is Mark and I'm calling for North Carolina. I was just calling in response to the comments on Dan Aykroyd's interview. Um, I didn't take it as Dan taking a personal shot at Paul Feig. I think he was just speaking in business terms um, that, you know, the movie may have underperformed. uh, But I didn't think that he was saying that he didn't enjoy it, that he thought it was a bad direction to go, that, you know, it was just an unfortunate thing. that They had to go back and do some reshoots, and it cost money from a business standpoint, and that it's very, very, very unfortunate and sad for me to hear that, you know, I guess a live sequel to the movie um, is not in Sony's plans anytime soon. Uh, that is very, very unfortunate. You know, I and I can see how Dan's comments could be mistaken uh, for people that still, for some reason, a year later, love to trash the movie. Um, how that what his what he said and you know what he said at the end with Paul or about Paul Feig uh, could really be taken out of context when you read it in text uh, because you can't tell the tone. I mean, he said it, you know, as a joke that he won't be back on Sony lot anytime soon. Uh, you know, and he said it as a joke as, in a very lighthearted way, but when you read it in text, you miss the tone and everything. And for vindictive journalists that want to portray it this way, that it was something harsh, that it was a cheap shot, you know, they could easily leave out, you know, Dan jokingly commented that Paul Feig won't be back on the Sony lot anytime soon. Um, and, and it, like you pointed out on Twitter, it's it's just a lot of clickbait. Um, so I don't feel personally offended any whatsoever. I don't think Paul Feig or anyone involved with the movie should be. I think Dan praised the movie. He's been one of the biggest promoters of the movie and uh, the biggest praisers of the movie, you know, all along, even after its release. So I think it's okay. Just the only bad part and really sucky part about it is that it looks like we're not going to be getting another movie anytime soon. Uh, But who knows? I mean, it's really too early to speculate or assume anything, really. But thank you guys for giving us a chance to call and, and voice our opinions on it. You all have a great week. Yeah. I, I think, I think Mark's reaction here is that he's, he's bummed and he's bummed because it means there's not going to be a sequel to answer the call. That's, that's where his bum bummedness, if that's a word, 
comes out uh, in the wash. I, yeah, I, I, I get that. I really understand that. Um, all right, who else? We, oh, we have John from Chicago. This is our, our good buddy, Liver Stealer. Uh, here's, here's Liver Stealer's comments. Hey, guys, this is John from Chicago, a.k.a. Liver Stealer on the Twitters. Um, so in, in terms of Dan's comments, I thought that was kind of interesting. I feel like when he was making his comments about the budget, it seemed more or less like he was reporting just the facts of the matter, that the studio didn't want to pay um, again uh, for a, a second movie. Um, but then as he talked more and more about the reshoots, it seemed like he was throwing a little bit of shade. And I don't know, two months of that seems like uh, maybe not the most appropriate thing, but um, also, too, I feel like he also had to address as to um, why we're, why we might not be seeing another movie. So I don't know. Um, it's very, very interesting, but, uh, thanks guys for, I'm sure you're going to be covering this all in great detail in the weeks ahead, but, uh, um, see you guys on all on the other side. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, John. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's interesting in the budget and factual and it's all, it's all business. It's not personal. It's business. Um, but uh, all right, so here's uh, Matt Provencal speaking of the uh, podcasts of old. I'm glad that Matt called in. Here's Matt's thoughts. Hi, guys. This is Matt Provencal from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. I uh, just saw the clip of Dan Aykroyd's interview, and uh, needless to say, um, and as mentioned online already, uh, typical Canadian uh, masters of throwing shade. So boy, Dan Aykroyd. You're representing Canada well. Uh, needless to say, I'm actually really shocked um, that uh, he had gone out with that kind of comment, uh, but uh, that's the business of making movies. The new Ghostbusters reboot, as you all know, I'm a huge supporter of and uh, love the fact that uh, Ghostbusters is relevant not only to uh, fans of the originals, but to new audiences, including uh, awesome women that are either cosplaying or keeping the franchise alive. Uh, and would obviously love to see that franchise continue in a, some sort of live-action format. But um, in the business of making movies, if it's over budget, it's over budget. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, Ackroyd's comments. He totally did not throw under the bus the actors of that film. Uh, clearly, uh, all the women represented that movie were absolutely fantastic, and they did the best with the material that were given. Um, also to note, uh, it's very interesting that uh, Danny did not uh, mention Paul Feig by name, but referred to him as the director, and that he's not uh, going to be on the Sony lot anytime soon, question mark. Uh, this, um, this seems like a, a, a great subject for a documentary. Uh, maybe you can get somebody behind the scenes uh, who may have worked uh, visual effects uh, to explain what the hell he was talking about. Anyway, keep up the great work, guys, and uh, look forward to uh, more developments. Cheers. Matt is Canadian. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. It, you got, what, what, I didn't know that that was a thing that you guys were the masters of throwing shade. Uh, anyway, but um, yeah, uh, so, so the thing that Matt called out here that we should talk about, Chris, is that he found it interesting that Dan didn't refer to Paul by name, calling him the director. Why, why do you think that is? To not make it personal, um, to keep it business, could he not remember Paul's name? Is that no, a he can remember Paul's name. Um, yeah, I think it's to keep it from being less personal, and I think that's where you mentioned his media training. That is his media training because he's—it's inevitable he will be talking about Ghostbusters, 
that's not what he's there for. He's there right. to push his stuff. Yeah, so the, the more you the more you keep it contained or or high level, if that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. The the better it is overall. So he can address Ghostbusters as a movie and stuff like that. Cuz he doesn't he mentions the cast but not any of the actresses by name and stuff like that, right? So yeah. Yeah. he kind of speaks in very broad generalized terms. Um uh, you know, I, I I wish his training would have taken him that one step further, but uh, you know, yeah. that's my no. that's that's my interpretation. He's of why. It's, he's jet lagged. It's early in the morning, and I don't know. I, there's a million things we could probably chalk it up to, but um, but yeah. So okay, so we got one last voicemail here. Uh, it's somebody who did not identify themselves. So yeah, if you guys call in and you don't want to be identified, that's totally fine. But here is that person's voicemail. Overall, it's pretty depressing. Um, to hear Dan's comments, it's something that I guess I just wasn't ready to hear out loud from anybody, uh, giving such a dire prognosis on the future of the new franchise. Um, I understand it's not completely up to Dan or Ivan, but um, it certainly helps to have their at least emotional support um, behind the creative team. Uh, everybody involved in in the in the in the reboot, including Paul Feig, uh, monetary issues aside, I care much less about, of course, all of the negativity that this brings up from the fan base. Uh, kind of reigniting their anger and thinking that it gives them so much uh, room for a bunch of "I told you so's." Uh, I just care more about. Um, the potential for more movies um, featuring featuring this cast, uh, the, the, the four ladies. And uh, it seems like there's more effort um, going into uh, the, the VR and the um, potential animated movie I keep hearing about, which, um, frankly, just don't really excite me a whole lot. I mean, they're kind of a fun thing, but to me, they're ancillary uh, projects um, that are built around the tentpole, which is what I see the new fran- the, the new movie being, and so without that new movie, everything else is just kind of hollow. Um, obviously, I think Dan's comments were um, taken a bit out of context and blown out of proportion. Um, I, I I got the impression from watching it that he was kind of joking a little bit, at least with the banning Paul Feig from the Sony lot. I I, I didn't think that was said in a in a serious tone um but i've delivered more in, in a in a kind of signature dry uh looking directly at the camera kind of way not not so much uh like a there's some bad blood between dan and and paul feig um if there is though and i can't i don't think any of us can really truly know that other than it seems like dan does seem very maybe personally offended that he didn't get to be more involved in the project, uh, more due to the studio's uh, decisions than it has anything to do with um, uh, Paul Feig personally. I, I don't think even Paul Feig had that kind of control over who was involved or not involved in everything. Um, it's more something that the studio is in charge of from my understanding. So, uh, you know, I hope, uh, I hope things can get kind of sorted out. It's so sad when your parents are fighting like this. <laughs> Or at least seemingly fighting. Some good points. Todd. Gerald. Bob. 
<laughs> yeah, some very good points. I mean, I, I, I like that he calls out uh, that he cares about the potential for more more movies. That's obvious for all of us. We all want to see more Ghostbusters movies. That's that's for yep. sure. Um, and and yes, I mean, I, I know that the VR and the animated movie, all of that sort of feels ancillary, but you know, you have to understand the the development time, the production time. It's been you know how how many years since 1989 almost 30 right uh and, yeah. and here we finally got another movie so these are things that will sort of bide our time and and fill that time and and could potentially give us good stories look at how good the stories yeah. were on clone wars and star wars and and things like that these things are required to keep things moving along this is this is again like it or or, or leave it for the answer of the call it did pump a lot of energy back into the the engine of the franchise and yeah. um <laughs> uh yes have some drink drink again uh, <laughs> i did bring this point up when i was chatting with them that uh i was looking today uh so answer the call went to home video dvd blu-ray in october of last year since then it those two formats have combined have sold um this is from the numbers.com website. I don't know if they do international or if it's mm, just if North it's just America. Domestic, yeah. But domestic, it's they've sold 1.75 million copies in since October of last year. Ghostbusters over a 15-year period since uh, um, home video uh, DVD Blu-ray started. Have sold 1.2 million copies. Wow! So, no, there there's evidence there that uh, it is slow. It was slowly trundling along and left to its own devices. Was not going to pick up steam. It could only entropy could only enter into it, and it was it would you know uh, uh, flitter away, sort of thing. So. Hmm. I'd be very interested now. Uh, the one thing I didn't do, uh, I had a quick look and I didn't remember the numbers, uh, is that since the this the new movie came out, there was a spike in the old ones, right? Like right. it's just yeah, the reinvigorated way interest. So, and we we've heard from people out there that saw the new movie and it introduced them to Ghostbusters, and they've gone back and revisited things now. And after um, years of yeah. fighting, it had to be a co-production with Time Warner. To get real Ghostbusters on home video with right. the release of that new movie, Sony themselves suddenly said, "Here it is on home video yeah. as one set, home video in volumes, and digital download, and oh, and Netflix. Go yeah, have fun. Oh, and here right? it is like on it Netflix. Is. Yeah, it did exactly yeah. what it was supposed to do, which was give." the entire world a taste for more Ghostbusters and it worked. Yeah. It, it gave them that shot in the arm. So, so, um, and, and the other thing that I thought was really interesting in that, that voicemail, Chris was, he kind of brought up the same point that we said, or, you know, a little bit earlier we alluded to that maybe Dan just feels hurt that we, he wasn't more involved in the film himself, that this is just maybe. sort of a little bit of sour grapes on, on his part, but um, you know what? Something you and I haven't really even entered into all this. Dan is what sixty five, sixty seven. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, maybe mid, even a mid little 60s, older. Maybe a little older. Summer. Yeah. Uh, and that man just flew uh, uh, intercontinental, transoceanic. <laughs> Basically, probably arrived uh, the day before, maybe yeah. two days before. Got like two and hours was doing of sleep. Yeah. And was doing morning television, so at morning radio. It's like, again, 
not not the best time to be uh, to to be uh, speaking off the cuff. And again, this goes to your point about the the you know the press escort going. <laughs> you know what? Can we just let that go, yeah, please? He's like still a little tired. Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunate. Just let's just pretend it never happened. I, I mean, I. I <laughs> Any given morning, if it's before nine or ten a.m. and I haven't been caffeinated, I I probably would be cranky and say stupid things too. And I don't travel internationally uh, before that either, so yeah, yeah it makes, makes that total time sense. You confessed to a murder once. That was real awkward. Um, <laughs> well, yes, officer, I did it. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, Some people call it a Kaiser blade. I call it a sling blade. <laughs> I like mustard on my biscuits. Uh, so anyway, now we're just getting loopy. So, uh, thank thanks guys yeah, for your voice. It's an hour three. It's yeah. We're well. We're we're doing okay. It's an, an hour yeah. and a half. That's where I thought no, we'd that's not bad. be. We're right. we're not too bad here. So so yeah. Thanks guys for for sending in your voicemails. Uh, please hit that voicemail line if you do have anything to say or. Uh, if you do want to appear in those uh, promos too, because we we love getting you guys saying that you've been a part of the interdimensional crossroad, we like getting those in there. So uh, call that voicemail. We want to hear from you guys, especially on everything that we just said. If you have anything to add to it, uh, we'll definitely be talking about this in future episodes to come. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 stoppers! I'm sorry, we'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at four seven zero two four two four seven four two. That's 4702 GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You do? And Twitter accounts. Prince is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for The Ghostbusters. Interdimensional crossroad. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Good day, and welcome to Hour 4 of the CrossRip Podcast. <laughs> I'm in one ear. And I'm in the other... Uh, that'd be cool if I could pan it and actually make that work. I'll do yeah, it. There you go. Do it. Um, make a note. Yeah. So, uh, final thoughts, Chris. I If you can't, I'm hoarse. I've been talking all day, and then we've now talked for like two hours. Uh, I got nothing left in the tank. Oh, I, I, got, a, I, got, I got two. Um, yeah, what do you got? The uh, I got one of my zines. Oh, I got my, awesome. uh, my my peck, my Walter I, Peck I zine. I totally forgot to talk about those. We were going to talk about those at the top of the show. <laughs> I got uh, the answer to the call one, uh, which was great. You know, had some little personal essays from people and art. Uh, did we talk about that last time? I can't we remember. Did. Yeah, we talked about that one, but we haven't talked about the Walter Peck one. But how, after we recorded that? the Walter, it's cute. It really is. Uh, Laura. Uh, is the artiste uh, who did this cute little story of Ghostbusters told from the perspective of Walter Peck, which is funny because again, it goes to this point of he works for the EPA. He's not entirely wrong. Like he's just doing his job. He's just doing his job. So is it told, bit, is it like first uh, person? Is it like his confessional towards everything or how, how do they present it? It's done 
completely chronologically, the high points of the movie boiled down into what I'd call, say, a kids book format. Does that make any sense? Yeah, kind of like a, a illustrated picture book, that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, that, like yeah, it's illustrated on one side, and then it's got a little bit of text on the other. So rather than a super verbose retelling of the story, which we already know what it is, sure, yeah. it's just him like... Uh, you know, I was all keen to go do my job, and then they, you know, they laughed at me and all this sort of thing. It's like it's it's done very, very simply. Uh, the story. I, I, I don't want that to sound like I'm being well, no. uh, yeah, I mean, diminishing it, or anything of I it. It's, sim- it's actually done very well. Yeah, and um, and hard doing simple is hard to do, and it's, it came off quite nicely. It's this, it's it's funny because in reading it, I'm like, this actually would make a really good kids book. <laughs> But, my name uh, is Walter Peck. Yeah, hey, Walter Peck. Uh, so that's nice. Add that to my collection. Um, yeah, and those are available on Etsy, right? That's where yeah. you pulled them from. Okay, good. Research Ghostbusters. And there's there's another one that has not arrived yet. So I got one more one more coming. And then there's the one that they were we talked about uh, the previous time that was looking for. Uh, yeah, they're probably wrapping up about this time now with their submissions and and starting to put stuff yeah. together. So. I kind of want to do a zine. That's all these things do is make me want to do a zine. Like I have yeah. my, I have my twenty-five-year-old brain response. That'd be awesome. Let's do one. And then forty-four-year-old B goes, "When I have idiot. no time." Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, just to kind of round out the uh, the whole collection angle, I discovered today uh, on Ghostbusters Day something new. Oh, and something I will never be able to possess. What? What is it? I uh, remember I was telling you I was looking for sales numbers and stuff like that. And yeah. one of the things I found was Google has a bunch of billboards going back all the way to 85, maybe even before. Um, and an article popped up, you know, home video, VHS, Ghostbusters, go! And it, it popped up this one, and it wasn't a listing. Uh, it wasn't their home video sales. Um, rather, what it was was an article... 86. So uh, I'd have to keep digging to confirm, but my, the impression is, is that probably Halloween of the year before. Okay. So this would be a couple of months after Ghostbusters was reintroduced into theaters for the second summer in 85. Yeah, and right before real Ghostbusters started airing, right? Uh, it was in 86. In 86, yeah. yeah. So Octoberish of 85. Ghostbusters went to home video. Um, <laughs> I found two articles actually. I found one where a guy was like, uh, his whole thing was he was the numbers were small. He had a membership and he said we uh, we printed up uh, color catalogs, thirty cents a pop. Uh, we had five hundred of them made. His whole business model was helping home video collectors buy uh, copies for their home at minimum markup. Yeah. Uh, because at the time he was like, one of the best sellers for Christmas was uh, was Gone with the Wind at 90 bucks, which is pretty reasonable. Uh, some of the more expensive ones, like I think Ghostbusters, we sold a couple. Because Ghostbusters, uh, along with most other home video at the time, people forget, like, uh, I remember working at a video store what year would that have been? Maybe 88, 89? When did Terminator 2 come out? 87? Uh, 88? 88 or 89, I would say, probably. Or even 90. I think, did it come out in 91 or 92? 
No, that's too late. It's too late. Um, okay. Because I was out of high school by then. Um, it, uh, yeah, it was, and I was in high school at the time. So let's say '89 or whatever. It, whatever summer it came out. Uh, again, we're used to movie in theaters. Three months later, home video. Um, it was in theaters one summer, and then the next summer went to home video. But Terminator Two was unique in that the day it was released to home video, you could they had a point of purchase cardboard display, it had a clamshell case. You could pick up a copy of Terminator Two same day. You could rent it or you could buy it for thirty five dollars. Whoa. For a VHS tape, that was that was the big the value. deal. Yeah. yeah. So back then in '85, these things you could not buy; you rented it. And this article I found was some company. I've never seen these. I've never heard of them. Obviously, they didn't take off, but it was covered in Billboard that this this company, Numax or something like that, had created at five to six dollars a pop a little plastic container of trivia cards specific to a movie. So you'd go and rent Ghostbusters and drop four or five bucks or whatever to take home the trivia cards for Ghostbusters. And the family would then watch the rented movie and have a rousing game of Ghostbusters (laughs) trivia afterwards. And I'm looking at this photo going, I've never seen these. Like, They've never showed up on eBay. I've never heard tell of them before. Like, and it was just this little one-off thing. It's they, they, it probably had a test market and died. And I'm like, I would kill, kill to have a set of those. Yeah. And I think, I think that's low. The chances of getting one of those is oh man, even even partial Uh, is nigh. Yeah. I might as well uh, hope for the Holy Grail at this point. Because they're rare to begin with, and then you have to hope that somebody has held on to them. them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how many did they sell? Like, maybe it didn't even work. Like, maybe did people didn't... Like, oh, no, thank man. you. Uh, we don't... We just want the rental, thanks. And they all got ditched uh, in a dumpster. Yeah. Or? Yeah, they all ended up next to copies of E.T. out in, uh, you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico or 85, something. 85, 2005... Holy crap, right? Mm. Like, 85 to yeah, almost the age of the movie, almost 35 years ago. Like, crazy. How many of those would, would survive? But, anyways, I, I don't want to get too modeling about it or sound like I'm, I'm being too grumpy about it because what I'm delighted by is the fact that here we are at 33 years. 33 years, yeah. I'm still finding out stuff about this oh, movie. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I mean, if if anybody out there has any more information on those, uh, yeah, let s- me know. send it send it Chris's way or or call into the show. Uh, let let us know because yeah, that's that's cool. I had no idea that they did something like that. It's a good idea, you know, actually. I'd I'd be happy if somebody could just find a consolidated number of VHS sales too, because yeah. that's a hard one. They weren't really being kept. They weren't Billboard. Really keeping track. Yeah, I think I had it. 99 there was an article I was looking at and in that year on the same page they had both home uh, video and DVD sales hmm. and Ghostbusters was on both of them at the time well, yeah, um, v- VHS too I mean there were so many different releases of, of the movie that's like the problem there was the rental market the- then there was the clamshell case then there like there were five different versions uh, before before yeah, Ghostbusters pan, two yeah. even came out, I think pan and scan and not yeah. in the clamshells for both movies. Hmm. Yeah, no good way to tally that up, really. And the trouble with the Billboard ones is they just told you what its rank was. 
that week and how much it was, you know, what each copy was selling yeah. for, which at one point it was still like 15 bucks for a VHS. And But mm-hmm. I've never, I'd be curious over the 33 years how many, hell, that doesn't even factor in Laserdisc and uh, Videodisc. Yeah, yeah. Um, huh. Well, yeah, if, if you guys are out there and, and you have more yeah. info, info on this, uh, hit, hit us up. Let us know because that's, that's yeah, that's interesting. It's uh, one of those. It's one of those delightful mysteries that uh, eh, maybe I'll get an answer to yeah. these days. Or if, but, if uh, you worked at a video store, or your parents uh, owned a video store or something, and you were privy to sales numbers or something like that, give give us a ring. But, I, uh, yeah, I think that's a fractional chance of. of <laughs> yeah, exactly. I worked in a video store during that period, and I don't even remember. Don't even remember so this. I don't yeah. know how many of our listeners uh, uh, had that kind of never know. kind of access. You never know. Um, yeah, right. I miss the I miss the video store. I miss video stores in general. I miss the shout experience. To, yeah, shout out to Dinosaur Dracula for those uh, articles he's been posting about surviving uh, video stores. Places that still have VHS tapes too, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, and uh, I miss the swag they used to send in because I remember I think I still have some around here too. I got at least one. Ghostbusters poster out of working at a video store and I think it was for the real Ghostbusters mm-hmm. but I remember things like uh, Chucky dolls that you like the Garfield that you yeah. can stick to your car window yeah, yeah. Um, lots of good stuff I, lots of, I mean stuff. one of my favorite Ghostbusters 2 uh, collectibles that I have is is a home video release it was that lenticular thing that you could shine a light into the back of and uh, it's it's cool. It was like a little box that they just put on the counter, and I have one of those framed. It's it's super yeah. cool. But, um, I saw. Yeah, speaking I of saw, uh, store stuff, I gotta find one. Uh, somebody posted a picture. Uh, Playmobil does this for a lot of their stuff. You, there's like four foot tall versions of their figures. Yeah, yeah. They did not the displays, like of a character. Oh. Oh, so imagine imagine one of their little their little humanoid Playmobil characters, only about four feet tall. Uh, there's an Egon, at least Ooh. an Egon that they've done. I was like, God help me if they've done the entire team. Secret Studio North know. needs those. Oh yeah, I would. I'd throw the couch out <laughs> just so I could have Who those needs guys a couch? there. Who needs to sit on something? Who needs a couch? Yeah. I just need to sit on the floor and stare at them <laughs> and wonder. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's let's bring this one to a close uh, because sure. uh, do we we'll hit be, two hours? We'll talk, yeah, we'll be talking until Ghostbusters Day 2018 if, if we keep going. But uh, yeah, call, keep calling in. Call those voicemails. Uh, let us know how your Ghostbusters Day was. If if you have comments on anything on the show, definitely uh, hit the voicemail as well. We will be back next week. I will probably have more of a voice then. Hopefully, possibly. You sound maybe. great. You, you sound, sound fine. Good. Yeah, silky. I sound gravelly. I should be doing promos right now. Uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. See you on the other side. Who you gonna call? We Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. Visit us at protoncharging.com, ghostbustershq.net, and stillplayingwithtoys.net. Hey, this could be one of my two favorite shows. You're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Bassmasters. It's a fishing show. Everything you're doing is bad. You truly scare me. I want you to love it. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird. Yeah. Silky smooth. You're on the rush hour with Troy. (laughs) Coming up, a triple play Thursday.